good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Thursday, January 11th. It's been a rather sleepy GOP primary season, with Donald Trump leading the pack by a significant marginal year. But yesterday we saw probably the biggest campaign shakeup since Trump's indictments. Chris Christie, the New Jersey governor, is dropping out of the race before a single voter has even headed to the polls. The question now is whether that will matter in the long run, as the anti-Trump wing of the party tries to rally behind a Trump alternative. And joining me now this morning to discuss that, as well as the latest in Iowa, is my esteemed colleague, Ryan Lizza. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Rich. Ryan is in Iowa, and are you freezing right now, Ryan? I, You know, it is a little cold out, and I came here unprepared for the weather, so I'm like one of those people I always used to make fun of when I was in Iowa that doesn't have the proper footwear or clothing for the winter storm here. Well, go get some of those feet warmers when you get a second. <laughs> so what was your reaction to Christy dropping out yesterday? Let's start there. I, I guess I would say I was a little surprised that he did it earlier than I thought. I, I think there was a good chance this was going to happen if he if he remained at the bottom of the pack with extremely high negative ratings from Republicans. He had no chance of winning, as he pointed out today. I just thought he would do it after Iowa. So, you know, maybe he, he would see the results in Iowa and then do it on the eve of New Hampshire, you know, add a little drama going into New Hampshire. Because frankly, it's, you know, it's going to be basically forgotten between now and New Hampshire. So I thought he would <laughs> wait a little bit and do it at a slightly more dramatic moment. He had fundraisers lined up over the next couple of days, and he had been saying in town halls that he was going to stay through New Hampshire, swearing up and down that he would. But I did talk to someone close to him who said he decided to do this now for maximum impact to try to help any Trump alternative. Obviously, that would potentially be Nikki Haley, although he didn't endorse her. And yet at the same time, he dissed her on a hot mic moment. doesn't seem to think yeah, God, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. So, I mean, clearly he doesn't have a lot of faith there. I, just one final point on Christie. It does, it gets at the strategic box that all the non Trump Trump candidates have been in. You try and go full frontal attack at Trump, and Republicans hate you. And Christie had the highest negatives in the race because of his anti Trump disposition. So that strategy didn't work. And, you know, then the DeSantis strategy and the Haley strategy are some kind of like halfway point, and, you know, they're not getting very far either. So it just, it shows what a box all of these candidates are in. Yeah. Speaking of Trump, you were at the town hall last night. What were your impressions? So it was very interesting. We were, the press was in the room of the event. You know, a lot of times it debates the press is in some filing center a mile away, but we were actually in the room. So got to watch it live. I found Trump to be, and I think a lot of the coverage reflects this as well, pretty subdued. He seemed to be, I know it's always dangerous to say this because he's extremely inconsistent. So if you make a remark about what he's like one day, he's not going to be like that you know, the next day, the next minute, but he seemed to be in general election mode. And, you know, the, the three things that I, I sort of wrote down at the end was he was taking on the three of the big arguments that Biden is making on abortion, on generally being chaotic, being a, a, a totally chaotic president, and nobody wants that again, and on the 
issue of being a dictator and uh, you know and, and, and democracy. He he responded to each of those and tried to sort of sand down the the the, the rough edges of those three things and, and defang those Biden attacks. And then did a little bit, a little bit less, but it was definitely there. He got in an, a bunch of shots at Haley and, and DeSantis, and you know even on some issues like he talked about DeSantis and Haley wanting to cut Social Security and Medicare. It was not rally Trump. You know what I mean? It was subdued. Trump with a relatively high amount of uh, message discipline, if you could call it that. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this in our group chat last night as it was all happening. The fact that he, you know, hit DeSantis for the six-week abortion ban, which he has before, but really played up. Women don't even know they're pregnant until, you know, around that time, sometimes not till later. Just really interesting that on the eve of the Iowa caucuses, instead of trying to play to the base voters, he's already trying to play toward those swing voters in terms of abortion. So interesting. And I will be very curious to see if any prominent pro-life groups hit him for those comments last night. I will also say, Rachel, I had a lot of moments watching Trump thinking, wow, this this is a candidate that can beat Joe Biden. And he's a little more consistent and a little more disciplined in some, in some of this messaging. Uh, and we'll see if that continues. I did not watch the other debate, but in the gaggle at the Trump event afterwards, two of Trump's advisors, Jason Miller and Chris LaCivita, were describing the other debate as the JV debate and saying it was basically, you know, Haley and DeSantis attacking each other. And then when they go to commercial break, Iowans are watching Trump ads attacking Joe Biden with general election messaging, which I thought, wow, I got to ask Rachel, is that what it looked like? Yep, that's exactly what we're seeing. I mean, it was it was a lot of the same, what we've seen over the the course of these past debates in recent months, the candidates going after each other and not after the front runner. DeSantis saying, you know, Haley's week on the border, not going after teachers unions when she was governor of South Carolina, too cozy with China. Haley saying he's a liar and, you know, blasting him for flying on private jets instead of flying commercial and raising the debt ceiling, but not a lot of Trump talk. And obviously, this is just sort of underscores this notion that this whole primary has really been a battle for second place with them not going after the front runner and Trump turning his message, as you said, toward a general election right now. I mean, it's just it's it really shows that this is really baked. Yeah, it's bled of almost all drama. And these things usually do tighten at the end. There's usually some challenge to a, a dominant front runner. You really got to squint to see where that's going to come from th- this time. I mean, I know, you know a lot of some prominent Republican strategists who still believe that's going to happen, like Mike Murphy's been talking about that recently. You know, that Haley's going to have her shot in New Hampshire, and then we're going to have a month long campaign in between New Hampshire and South Carolina to see if she can defeat him there. But boy, it just, you just don't see that kind of momentum building with any of the non Trump candidates at this point. Yeah. I mean, the people who back this sort of Haley theory, they note that, what, 65% of Christie supporters said in a recent CNN poll that they would turn to Haley. Obviously, that helps in New Hampshire. Maybe she could win them. But even if she does well Seems in like Iowa, it's not enough. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of ifs I'm no here. math genius, but... It, just... It's, 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 it's just a lot of ifs here. If she does well in Iowa and comes in a, a solid second, if she wins New Hampshire, if she's able to campaign in South Carolina for a few weeks and, and boost her numbers there, then maybe this will extend to the rest of the country. It just feels like a lot of things have to go really right for her to even be a potential challenge to Trump. 
And that's the problem. That yeah, that's the problem within the New Hampshire scenario. Even if she did shock the world and, and beat him, it's as John McCain learned in 2000. It could just be a, a one-off with those independents and Democrats coming in, and then there's no juice left in the in the lemon after that. I will say one you know one thing that maybe Trump is responding a little bit to what's the, to the New Hampshire mini sort of Haley surge at the forum with with Trump he several times mentioned and criticized New Hampshire for allowing non-republicans to vote in the primary so i thought that was interesting and clearly strategic and if you're trump and uh, if you know trump that's trump setting up a kind of you know if i lose there it doesn't matter because it was independents and democrats that did it yeah basically trying to halt any momentum that she might yeah, get from that yeah. in advance by pre-spinning. Exactly. So the fact that Smart. he even cared enough to pre-spin it, I'm sure the Haley people took note of that and were probably, you know, that that's got to give them a little bit of a little bit more hope that he's he's got his eye on that. Really interesting stuff. Well, Ryan, enjoy Iowa. Stay warm and thanks for joining us. All right, thanks, Rach. And for the rest of your schedule today, Senate border negotiations are ongoing and talks are zeroing in on the thorny question of parole. That's the executive power to temporarily admit some migrants, which Republicans are hoping to restrict. Our Congress team reports that GOP senators are now seeking an explicit cap on how many migrants parole can be applied to. Over in the House, the Oversight Committee did, in fact, advance a contempt resolution against Hunter Biden. That was despite the circus that the president's son caused by surprising everyone and showing up to the hearing yesterday. Today, the big questions that remain are, number one, how soon can a contempt resolution actually pass the House, given that conservatives are now tanking rules because they're angry with Speaker Johnson about his recent spending deal with Chuck Schumer? And number two, is there any universe where the Biden Justice Department actually enforces this contempt resolution and takes Hunter Biden to court? Don't count on it. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening.